UFC Fight Pass presents Extra Rounds. Live from the Fight Pass studios in Southern California, here's your host, TJ DeSantis. Extra Rounds. It is me, TJ DeSantis, along with Pearl Gonzalez. The show is Extra Rounds and it's from UFC Fight Pass. Appreciate you joining us live here on the Twitch channel as well as Facebook. If you want to uh, give us a ring, we'd love to hear from you today. 917-UFC-TALK is the number. That is 917-832-8255. If you are uh, on Twitch, just feel free to uh, drop us a message and uh, our producer, Stephen Frankie, will deliver us your words of hopefully encouragement or your questions or whatever i wonder what these people are saying behind pearl right now i can kind of make out that it's english but not really all at the same time we'll get through it all right main event we've already talked a little bit about it it was originally slated to be a middleweight contest between paulo costa and marvin vittori uh since our uh, graphics department put this together uh, it's already changed it's now officially a catchweight contest 195 pounds but still big implications at 185 with the number two ranked costa taking on the number five ranked marvin vittori so i mean i, mean, I guess the question sort of remains pearl when we look at you know paulo costa we're doing this right now live on thursday he still has the weigh-ins coming up tomorrow so we're going to know if, if 195 is is a, a stretch for him he was 212 pounds like 24 hours ago um you know what do you make of the fact that again he was supposed to be fighting at 185 and you know just 72 hours out before the event he was weighing 212 pounds i mean to me it, it, the question is did did you try or was is there an injury that you're covering right now and, and, and you can't do the running and, and you can't diet down? But I mean, at two, uh, 212, 211, and you're fighting at 185 pounds, it just doesn't make any spe- uh, sense, especially fight week. I mean, it's hard, hard enough for male fighters to cut, you know, 20 pounds in a, in a week, um, let alone a couple days. So, you know, I don't know. I, to me, it's either he, he didn't care, which being number two in the world, I, I believe that's the last thing that Costa is thinking. Uh, what make, It does make me question, is there an injury, a serious injury that uh, is being masked? I mean, that is often a question when it comes to, uh, you know, a, a weight miss. Another thing that I'm sort of curious about is the simple fact that when you look at, at Paulo Costa, this is the first time that he has returned from defeat. He lost his last fight to Israel Adesanya. No harm in, in, in losing to the world's best at, at 185 pounds. But when you look at Costa, I wonder if, if he's not prepared. Is it because he's sort of suffering something that he's never really felt before? And that's, you know, coming back from from a loss and in if that changes his mindset uh, it's already impacted this fight because he's failed to make weight but the other concern is uh, if he does have trouble getting down to just 195 is that going to impact how he you know actually performs and, and competes his opponent Marvin Vittori you know definitely was turned off by the fact that Costa had failed to make weight but he said I don't care like I, I want to make this fight happen he's got to try he's got to try to get down and, and, and do his best to make sure that he gets to that uh, you know weight limit obviously some things have changed since uh, he met with the press yesterday and uh, now we're looking at a catch weight at 195 pounds what are your thoughts though on Marvin Vittori that's like you know screw it I'll fight him in any weight uh, I understand that too, you know, especially when you've been working towards this goal and this opportunity. It, it's a big fight. It, granted, yes, it's a fight night, but this is a huge fight, right? It, it, it's right before uh, UFC Abu Dhabi. 
it, so it's the lead up to that and, and it's a main event spot. They, this is a, obviously like a title contention type fight where you've got your top dogs in the division fighting. Um, he wants to fight and he, he wants another opportunity. And I really love the way Vittori's talking this week. He's, he's talking like he will be champion. Like he really believes wholeheartedly that he's going to be a champion at some point. And um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter for him. He, he wants to prove that he uh, is, is better than, than what he performed and that he is worthy of being a, in another title fight. She's Pearl Gonzalez. I'm TJ DeSantis. This is Extra Rounds here on UFC Fight Pass, live on Facebook and Twitch. And with that, our first Twitch question is in. It is, uh, uh, this is actually the, the older one, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll start this one with it and move to our next Twitch question. I'm curious, Pearl, um, will the weight change favor Costa? Because we're talking about how it might be a detriment uh, to, to uh, Boachinia. But when you look at the fact that he's not having to cut all the way down, I mean, maybe he, you know, it, it hits with a heavier punch. Maybe he's someone that will benefit from fighting at this catch weight than, you know, rather than someone that will be hurting to do so. 100%. Listen, as a fighter, one pound is, is sometimes feels impossible. It's just one, it, it sounds like it's so simple, but when you're talking ounces and you're depleted and, and you have had a rough time or, you know, you've been sacrificing food, water, everything to make this weight, ounces mean so much. So when you talk about 10 pounds, that's huge. That's, 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 a, that's a whole nother weight class. And, um, you know, I think that it does benefit him because clearly he, he was not even close to the weight. Who knows how far out Vittori was uh, from his weight um, and the scale. And so, you know, that, that it, to me, it, it 100% favors uh, Bonacino. All right. Now we have uh, our official uh, uh, question in from Seafar uh, or 74. He asked, what's a fair penalty for missing weight? Obviously, you know, impacting the, the, the wallet is, is a good way to start. Uh, Costa has, has lost 20% of his purse. That will go to Marvin Vittori. But is that enough? Because, I mean, yeah, the, the, the money is obviously, you know, what everyone is fighting for. You want recognition. You want respect. You want the, it's prize fighting. You want the prize. You want that extra cash. But with that said, I don't know if I'm maybe not likely to win a fight or it's going to be significantly tougher. Maybe I go, all right, fine. Take 20% of my purse. Let me have that extra uh, weight. Make me, uh, you know, not have to, to kill myself and, and I'll, I'll, you know, part with some, some cash. What, what are your thoughts? Should there be something more than that? Is it uh, something that maybe you lose a half a point each round or something like that? I, I, I don't know if you go that far because now you're playing into and now you're taking away from the performance and the performance and the, and the weight and making weight are two very different things. Um, and, and both are equally difficult, right, in their own ways. I think the taking some of the purse is, is very realistic, but also maybe some sort of like probationary or, or counseling period where you have to figure out, are, are you going to make the weight? Are you going to be able to make this? And if not, you need to move to a different division. And, that, uh, that's interesting. I never thought about maybe like sort of a, a personal audit that maybe the, the UFC might make you go through, uh, you know, with a, a nutritionist or something, because like you're, you're not wrong. Like, think about uh, the idea fighters like to hold on to, to weight classes that maybe are really not attainable anymore. You know, so m maybe if you are, are a serial, you know, 
person who misses weight, then maybe it's time to go back to the drawing board and be forced to sort of prove to the promotion. Yeah. Like I, I can still compete in this weight class. Yeah. I think especially, you know, when you've got stakes so high at this point, it's one thing if it's a fight, you know, like on the undercard and, and this is a big fight Yeah, and to be that far out of weight, doesn't make much sense. So, you know, like a, a good disciplinary action is maybe the next fight you, especially when you're missing at this weight, it's not like he's missing one pound or two right. pounds. Right. I mean, he's getting a whole 10 pounds and he's getting 10 pounds like two days out. So it's, right. just, it's like next fight you need, you need to fight in this weight class. And, and if you can make the weight, then show us. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I think that something like that, obviously the money situation, I, I, I agree with to an extent, but then again, you know, the, the, this is what we fight for. This is our livelihood. So taking more money doesn't sound realistic to me. Um, it doesn't take away from the work that's been put in the camp, right. uh, any, anything else that the sacrifices that have been made over these weeks and months. So moving forward, I think that there should be some sort of uh, disciplinary action. Uh, producer Frankie's telling me that slug rights, uh, one of our uh, Twitch users uh, is saying that missing weight should be a 50% purse penalty. 50% seems incredibly steep. And, you know, there are other promotions that take more than 20%, 20 is sort of that, uh, that baseline. But with that in mind, um, it doesn't seem to stop. Like I, I don't think people are missing weight because 20% isn't harsh enough. I don't even think that it's necessarily uh, them missing weight because because there isn't uh, a sort of penalty that will affect them in the fight. I think people are missing weight because they overestimate their ability to make weight and they want to hold on to that size uh, for an advantage. Um, unfortunately, or there's it, underlying factors in there. Right. There's, that's true too. Injury. There may be an ankle hurt. You know, who knows? Our body will, will shut down. We don't tell our body when to work. Our body shuts down when it needs to. And if you're, you're overworking it, you're, you're not giving it at the calories that it needs, the nutrition that it needs, and you're forcing it to cut weight at some point it'll stop and it'll shut down right and um you know you really do you have, have to listen to that you know the ufc a while ago did implement um where they were checking body fat and they were checking hydration i'm sure that they're they're more advanced but it's a big deal um and i think that that also plays a big factor like how hydrated are you how dehydrated are you and if you're, you're too dehydrated then look you either need to move up a weight class or maybe you don't have a slot anymore in this, uh, in this, well, it, you know, in this organization, it is funny because I do feel like that the athletes sometimes need to be told by someone else. And sometimes maybe it is even being told by someone outside the camp, not a manager, your boss, essentially, because I feel like the athlete is the one that is always sort of the last to accept that fact. And, you know, maybe maybe it is something that needs to be sort of sent down uh, from above. We're talking a little bit more about uh, our main event that has changed uh, again, originally slated to be a middleweight bound between Paulo Costa and Marvin Vittori. Uh, still big stakes here at 185, even though the fight is not taking place at 185 pounds. You are someone that has fought in multiple weight classes. I've seen you fight at 115 and, and 125. Um, you know, with, with that in mind, how much of a difference is it for yourself fighting lower compared to, to higher? Do you feel a significant uh, difference as far as you're concerned uh, you know, with your body composition? Oh my goodness. It's a world of difference. It really is. It, it changes the entire camp. Uh, fighting at 15, it, it was very difficult for me to make that weight. I had some really hard, really hard weight cuts and um, it took a toll. It took a toll on the camp. I mean, three weeks out, I'm not, I'm not really focused on skills anymore. 
focused and focused on the game plan. I'm focused on getting all my cardio in and how do I not eat even though my body is starving and wants to shut down. And it's just, it's a very, it's a tough mental game. It's a tough physical game that you have to fight. Um, and so for me, moving up to a weight class where I'm cutting less than 10 pounds, it, it, it made, I felt better. My camps were better. Now, am I the smaller fighter? Yes, I am. The, the girls are bigger, they're stronger, but they are slower. So it doesn't even change the dynamic of the fight as well. Um, bigger fighters tend to be a little slower, but they are stronger than in that weight class. And coming into a weight class where you're predominantly smaller, now you have to deal with, with strength and weight, but you do tend to have speed, tenacity, and those things as an advantage. So it'll be interesting to see what version of Paula Costa we will see. Also, it'll be interesting to see what Marvin Vittori looks like at 195 pounds as well. But again, the emphasis is very much on this middleweight division, and the winner of this fight will largely position themselves better at 185 pounds. Let's take a, a quick look at our rankings. Obviously, the champion is Israel Adesanya. He's got a showdown coming up with uh, Robert Whitaker. Paula Costa at number two, uh, just lost to Israel Adesanya. His opponent, Marvin Vittori, Vittori at number five. Vittori has, uh, you know, recently fought uh, Adesanya as well. So they're both coming off of uh, losses to uh, the last style bender. But when I look at this fight, Pearl, um, I, I am forced to sort of wonder how much this should impact that hierarchy. If we see Paulo Costa win and, and knock out Marvin Vittori and does so at 195 pounds, are we going to say he's more entitled to getting back in the mix and fighting Israel Adesanya or someone for a you know a title eliminator? Because it's not necessarily the same. If if he made weight and you know the fight was at eighty five, then sure. But being that's at a catch weight, I don't know if if we see a Costa victory mean all that much for his uh, sort of hopes to you know further put himself back into the title picture at one eighty five. You know, I think that uh, this we, we got to see how this plays out. Um, now, if he does knock out Vittori, I don't, I don't know. You, you can he even make the weight? That's the question. Can he even make this weight anymore? Is is this realistic? Is the biggest question I think that we need to get through before we we look further any further. And and let's see what happens in this fight. Let's see how he shows up. I mean, just because he gets the weight, just because it's to his advantage, he might be. Lower. He might have some sort of injury that we don't know about, and he's unable to move like he once did. You know, he was, he was, a, it was a big loss. This wasn't just a regular loss. I mean, he was, he, he was finished. He was humiliated by Stylebender. So there's a lot, losing alone, just alone losing is heartbreaking for a fighter. But to lose in a way where those two, the, the animosity that him and Izzy had, and then the way he lost, that's, that's got to be tough on a man to, to get through. So let's, see what happens and let's see how Costa shows up and, and, and we can kind of, you know, I think that figure out from there where what's next. Yeah, you know, I'm uh, I'm I'm conversing a little bit with uh, Steve and Frankie, our producers, and they're giving me some uh, feedback from the the listeners and viewers at home. And uh, apparently, Jerry Barnett on Facebook uh, says, you know, start at twenty percent uh, with with the fine, but then go up an additional percentage point every single pound that they miss. And I mean that that changes the, the penalties significantly. Um, but at what point though? Can you just no longer allow the fight to happen? Because again. 
again, Marvin Vittori is the person here that deserves a, a pat on the back because he's coming in and, you know, yeah, he, he's not having to cut the weight either. But the, the fact is he was preparing for 185 pound uh, Paula Costa. And now he's getting a two, uh, 195 pound Paula Costa, which really means come fight time, he's probably going to be well over 200 pounds. Like this is uh, one of those situations where if it works out for Vittori, sure, it's great that he took the fight. But if for some reason he comes up short, then everyone's going to be going, well, should you have really taken this fight? No, I mean, think that there is. There's a lot weighing on this. And, and, and you're right, Vittori does have more than just accepting this fight. But at the end of the day, he's cutting the weight too. 10 pounds, I'm sure, I'm sure that he had at least minimum 10 pounds. So this also is beneficial to Vittori as well. I mean, he doesn't have to do that last 10 pounds. And when I tell you one pound is so significant, 10 pounds, that's a huge, just a huge weight off of your shoulder. Um, and, and now you can just focus on the, the performance. Um, the one, the 1% 1 per pound, I, that's not a bad idea. But again, my, my biggest thing with, with taking more, more money away from, from the athletes is that regardless of the weight, it does not take away from the work that's been done and the work that's been put in. And so that's why I just uh, doesn't seem that doesn't seem fair as an athlete uh, to, to continue to take more of the pay. Yeah, no, I, I definitely understand that. I feel, uh, again, you, you can be as harsh as you want. You can, you know, double it to make it where they're losing 75% of their purse. I still think missing weight is going to happen. And it, it gets to the point where it's like, okay, well, how much do we really want to punish these athletes for, at times, maybe just making a mistake, maybe getting hurt and not wanting to pull onto the fight. Like, we are definitely harsh on Paulo Costa for, you know, coming up short or almost not even trying at this point because he comes out, you know, two days, three days before the fight and goes, look, I can't make the weight. But I, I don't know if necessarily messing with the penalty is going to really change anything at the end of the day. Let's talk about the X's and O's, though, a little bit more uh, of this, uh, I guess, now catch weight contest between Paulo Costa and uh, Marvin Vittori. Uh, both men uh, coming off of losses uh, to Israel Adesanya. Um, but when you look at the way that they did it, it's significantly different from one another, uh, having both lost to Adesanya. For Costa, he was finished in the second round. Uh, for Vittori, he went 25 minutes. Um, Paula Costa hasn't fought in the last year. Marvin Vittori's had three fights since Paula Costa last competed. So they're definitely, you know, obviously coming off the, the, a loss to the same opponent, but the sort of timeline and, and where they're at, maybe uh, physically and mentally, significantly different from one another. Mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you think about Paula Costa coming back after a year where in that same year, Marvin Vittori's been pretty damn active? I think it's a big deal. I think this is a big hurdle that he, he has to get over. Again, he had a he he took a tough loss. It, it was more than just a regular loss. It, you know, Martin Vittori, he or excuse me, Marvin Vittori went in there and he did. He fought a good fight. He went twenty five minutes. Um, he got a little bit of respect from Izzy, right, in that fight, and so he he still has some dignity. Dignity. But Paula Costa had a really tough time in his last fight. Um, and not only that, I mean, he's had, you know, just he's had other issues as well with 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 the company, with the corporate, you know, with, with just whatever. There was just a lot of things that have happened since for Costa. So I think that, you know, he's he's coming back from a lot. Now, does this make him a more dangerous fighter? It can. It really can. It can ignite his performance. It can give him that motivation, maybe that he has something really big to prove. 
Um, and he can come in looking ferocious, like a crazy animal, an animal that we've never seen. Or we could see a, a potentially more timid Costa, a hesitant Costa um, because of this, because he's still trying to figure out. And at the end of the day, when we step inside of the, the cage, when we step inside to perform that night, the skills, yes, the skills matter. But when you're at a playing field like this, when skills are very equal, when, you know, you're both at the highest level possible, um, and maybe you have a higher skill in this area, but you're the, you're giving up this skill over here, like it's so equally weighed, it really does boil down to the mindset the night of the fight and how you show up, who you show up as that night. Yeah. And uh, we will see. We will see what happens happens we i believe we need to see this first fight and see where costa is but yes he's he's had a significant amount of hurdles to overcome to even get to this point um and uh, i think that people you know you can kind of forget forget all of that that he's been through yeah i think that's the uh the the big question for me with costa is this is the first time he's you know, coming off of a loss. And and for some fighters, that can almost be liberating. I remember uh, talking to, to some athletes who say, you know, when that O and that loss column goes, there's less pressure because, you know, not everybody can be Khabib, but everybody wants to talk about how someone might be the next Khabib and go undefeated throughout their entire career. You're going to lose in mixed martial arts. It seems inevitable if you're going to have a long career. Now for Paulo Costa, he's competing for the first time, not being an undefeated fighter. Maybe that's liberating. Maybe it's not. And again, we're a sort of, you know, reactionary world where we sort of, uh, you know, say everything that has happened immediately says X, Y and Z about a person. People are thinking right now that Paul Acosta is not in the right headspace. He's failed to make weight for this fight. It's been changed to a catchweight fight coming off that loss to, to Izzy, the first loss of his career. I think some people are saying that, you know, this is probably not going to be vintage uh, Paul Acosta, but, you know, th those same people might find themselves sorely mistaken coming up on Saturday night. We will find out. It is our main event of UFC Fight Night, UFC Vegas 41, this Saturday night. I'm TJ DeSantis. She's Pearl Gonzalez. This is Extra Rounds here on UFC Fight Pass. We are live on Twitch, and uh, I believe we've got another uh, Twitch question to get to. Uh, so this is from Slugright. Slugright says, uh, is this a new trend since Nick Diaz uh, at UFC 266? What does that mean? Oh, uh, changing weight? weight? Right. Yeah. Okay, I get that. Um, I don't think it's a new trend. I mean, athletes m missing weight is definitely not a, a new trend. Um, but I do think that maybe we're starting to see uh, sort of a slide in a different direction of, of athletes going, you know, look, I, I can't make uh, the weight for this fight, so I'm going to give my opponent ample notice so we can, you know, not have the runaround and, and maybe, you know, have the, the, the fight be up in, in question. Um, but there's a big difference between Nick Diaz and, and Robbie Lawler coming to an agreement that they're going to move the, the, the fight up a, a weight class than two top five opponents in a, a weight class that it, it appears obviously one of them cannot make. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think that Nick Diaz was penalized for fighting Robbie Lawler and, and moving that fight uh, up a weight class. Am I, am I correct in that? I, I believe you're correct. I think that it was moved out far enough that both of them had ample amount of time and, and it was decided. Um, I think it's right around the same amount of time, though, because I, I think that was Diaz you're right. on like a Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. So but but again, they're not top five competitors, Lawler and Diaz. Like Marvin Vittori and, and Paula Costa are two fights away from a title fight at any time when they hold the rankings that they do. It is. It's a it's a very 
tough. This is tough here. What I also think that this, maybe it's not necessarily a new trend, but perhaps it's also the organization allowing for, um, you know, these fights to happen. They see and realize how big these fights are and how, how good of a fight this is. And so let's not be so harsh on the weight. Let's, let's be a little bit more lenient so that we, we, we as fans and the rest of the world can see these fights. I've uh, got some uh, uh, questions coming in via our text line, um, which, by the way, is available for you. Hang on. What are we doing over here? Why do I got three things in the thing? I'm going to go like that. I'm going to go like that. I'm going to go like that. And there. All right. Uh, What the heck? 917-UFC-TALK is the number. 917-832-8255. People are texting. Um, One question we got uh, was something we've already uh, addressed. Uh, Should this uh, fight, you know, count for the rankings at 185 or or not? But another question uh, here on the text line, um, they don't put their name in it. It's just someone from a 773 area code. Uh, Should 195 pounds be its own weight class? There's a big difference between 185 and and 205 pounds, and that's the next right. uh, weight class. It's a 20-pound jump. Um, in, in boxing and other combat sports, there are a lot of weight classes. Um, right. I don't really like all of those weight classes. I, I like what we have in, in mixed martial arts, but if you were to change things up and, and you know introduce a new weight class, I think it's got to be at 195. It's it's the the sort of no man's land between you know 85 and 205 pounds that you know there there are plenty of people I think that could fight at 195, but 205 is probably too big for them. Yeah, I mean I think that that's also uh, the sport's growing right, and there's more fighters on the roster than there ever has been, and it's it's going to continue to grow. And uh, yeah, I mean, at some point, sure, I think that 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 will be realistic. I I think today that we're not quite there yet. But yes, I do think that eventually the sport will grow so big that you will need to add in another weight class because you're right. That is a significant difference there. And also, too, if if 195 makes some really great fights happen that otherwise couldn't happen between, you know, middleweights and light heavyweights, like I'm all about making those fights happen. Agreed. I agree. You know what else I wanted to say is, um, you know, uh, Stylebender actually has an awesome episode on his uh, on his YouTube where he talks. He gives you his uh, his take on this fight, and it's hilarious. So for any of you Izzy fans out there, if you have not seen that, check it out. Perfect. Um, looking at another text we got here. Um, this is uh, 575. I don't know where that is. Uh, but the question is, is it possible to get an autographed photo from Brittany Palmer? I don't know. Sure. <laughs> Ask her. I can't get you Brittany Palmer's autograph. Can you? I can't either. I'm sorry. No? How about a Pearl Gonzalez autograph? Is that possible? Possibly. So this is the problem. I, sh- I should probably pre-read these things before we do it on the air. But, you know, we're live in the moment. It's extra rounds. Yeah, we just live in the moment, TJ. Uh, that's right. Uh, and also living in the moment. <laughs> Steve's telling me, once again, everybody on Facebook and Twitch is telling me that I look like a poor man's version of Dana White, like a uh, oh like a God. like a fat Dana White with glasses. Dana off white. Oh. Dana light. <laughs> hey, have you seen uh, Dean Thomas's? Uh, yeah. Uh, Dina, Dina, what is it called? His Dina White episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, what what is it? Uh, screw it Saturday. Suck it Saturday. Suck it Saturday. Yeah, yeah. With with Dean White. Yeah, Dean. Yeah, with Dina. Yeah, Dina White. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> I, I will tell you, uh, my, my kid asked me if I would go trick-or-treating with him, and he told me I needed a costume. And I'm like, sure, I'll just put on a suit coat, unbuttoned uh, dress shirt, and I'm, I'm Dana. 
you could do that. I mean, he's stepped his, his fashion game up now. So he wears, he rocks like joggers and Jordans. So you can also do that. All right. Or I could just be Matt Sarah. <laughs> you could be Matt Sarah. Right. I, I'm telling you, remember that we were talking about the old UFC logo? Like, I'm the guy, you know? Like, you can't yeah, see. Cause, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm that you guy. You should just be that guy. Yeah, you should just dress up as that guy. I think that would involve me taking off clothes, which no one wants. <laughs> you could get one of those shirts. Oh, like one of those ripped, like, six-pack shirts? Yeah, with the muscles on it. There you go. I like it. I don't hate it. Actually, I hate it. Anyway. <laughs> um, what's that guy's name? He, uh... I, I, I mean, I know his name. is Johnny Parsons, but what's his nickname? Oh, my god. Do you remember? I, he has a couple nicknames. Yeah, he does. Uh, the Slugger Knot. The Slugger Knot, because his opponents have to choose to, to slug or not, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh like, like God. that's a that's a fine nickname, Pearl. But like, you destroyed that man's nickname. Is someone playing the sorry, bass guitar like, in the background? <laughs> there's someone playing the piano right now. I'm sorry. Awesome. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Johnny Parsons. Victorious, he gets a UFC contract uh, as he uh, won a fight on the Contender Series um, on Tuesday night. Um, Johnny Parsons is must see TV and we've been front row oh to see yes. him compete in the past. And, uh, I'm incredibly excited, uh, to see, uh, him get his, his UFC opportunity now, but he had to go through hell to, to ensure that it was, uh, a contract he was going to get, but, uh, all things, uh, are, are good in the world of the paradox, the paradox, the slugger, not, uh, jo- Johnny Parsons, your thoughts on his performance Tuesday night. Oh, my goodness. I am so excited for Johnny Parsons. Um, big shout out to him. Congratulations, congratulations, Johnny. Listen, this is one of those stories. Let me tell you how realistic this is for fighters out there that are watching right now. Johnny Parsons last year was four and two and just wasn't quite sure where he was going with his career, what he was going to do. I mean, I don't know if you recall. And we sat down with him. He was on the first icon and um, he just wasn't sure. And since then, he's put on four wins, right, And, and before the Dana White Contender Series. And those four wins all ended by knockout of some sort, right? And he went and he worked his ass off. He, he fought when he did, took fights on two weeks' notice. And now here he is, just this week, competing on Dana White's Contender Series. Main event spot, goes out there, has a, an incredible fight. He fights like a in this fight if you have not seen that fight UFC fight pass because it's a badass fight and uh, here he is he's got a contract and that's how realistic for any of the aspiring UFC athletes out there this really is 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 if with hard work with due diligence you can be one of these athletes like Johnny Parsons and so big shout out to him badass fight I really loved his movement in this fight he came in I mean he got hurt he got hurt bad in that first round and uh, he was rocked, and, and he weathered the storm. And I really loved his uh, – one, we've talked about this even before you and I, and TJ, his kicks are amazing. I mean, yeah. this dude has these crazy kicks. His ability to check kicks and return them, and she showcased that this night. But also what w- was so great was he, was he was throwing his strikes, and he was rolling and moving his body with them. So he'd throw a two and roll like he was going for a three and just dipping under shots. And, I mean, he looks so good. Big shout-out to him. Yeah, and he's a guy that you've been able to sort of follow on UFC Fight Pass, fighting in the the, the uh, smaller regional circuit, and you know, Icon is uh, must see TV. I, I don't know if you saw my tweet uh, earlier uh, this week, but but someone uh, sent me a DM on uh, Instagram. It was like, "Hey, TJ, great great job 
calling icon. And I was like, I haven't called an icon in a while. What are you talking about? Like, what are you watching? And he's like, Oh, it was on the 24 seven feed. I'm high. I thought it was live. It's like, all right, cool. It's all right. I mean, what else are you going to yeah. do? You know, the, be- the best part about Johnny too, is he was my very first interview. And you remember I was nervous as shit and I could not hear. And so uh, you also weren't listening. You also weren't listening. Let's be honest. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't. All right. All right. I'll be fucking honest. I wasn't listening. And we just had this terrible interview where I feel terrible because like I just ruined his nickname, like you said. And then there's his last fight where I finally, after four fights and almost a year passed, I get to ask his nickname. So it's it's just been a cool kind of journey for him and a, a really cool thing to see this week. Yeah, no, 100 um, percent. Credit to uh, Johnny Parsons again, must see TV. And uh, we're going to see him fight next inside the uh, the world famous octagon as he will make his official uh, UFC debut uh, coming up really soon. Uh, let's go back to our uh, Twitch line again. TJ DeSantis, Pearl Gonzalez. It's extra rounds. We are live on Facebook and Twitch. Uh, we'd appreciate uh, any of your calls if you want to get in. 917-UFC-TALK is the number. That is 917-832-8255. And if you want are uh, watching live on Facebook or Twitch, uh, just drop a question uh, in the uh, the chat there and they'll get it over to us. So uh, up next on the Twitch line, uh, this is from I am P Gribbs. Um, who do you think becomes champ in 2022 across uh, divisions? Uh, who has your attention for 2022? Uh, man, I mean, this is tough. Like, I, I don't know if he's asking who could be the next sort of champ champ if it's who's the next contender to sort of uh, become uh, a champion or if he really wants like our picks for every single divisional champion from top to bottom because I don't think we have enough time for that but uh, I mean I'll, I'll ask you Pearl who are you keeping your eyes on for, for 2022 I think that the one that comes to mind offhand uh, really fast is uh, hold on hold on I got her name in my hand I got her name she just fought um, Mackenzie Dern uh, Marina, Marina Rodriguez. Marina Rodriguez. Marina Rodriguez looked amazing in that fight. And the way that she was able to weather the storm in the grappling and on the ground was so impressive. The, her cal- How calm she was in this fight was so impressive to me. Uh, it showed that she deserves and is very worthy of that of a, a fight against Rose. And I think that'll be, oh, excuse me, if Rose, if, if Rose, right. you know, Madison Square Garden. Um, but I think that will also be a great fight. I mean, either either her or Welle would be an amazing fight. So I think that Marina Rodriguez definitely um, is someone that I am paying attention to, and I'm looking forward to seeing fight for the, the title in 2022. Yeah, I, uh, I can't think. I mean, we have fights every weekend right now. I know. I mean, that that's my thing. Like, it's hard for me to think more than, like, two weeks in advance. Like, I, I literally don't do it. Like, people will ask me, hey, when's the next time so-and-so's fighting? I'm like, I don't know. It's not in the next well, two I weeks. I know that. Do you really? I mean, you're pretty good at avoiding punches. I'm just saying. Uh, training with Amanda Serrano. Yeah, I get okay, well, head here. All right. I was trying to give you a compliment saying <laughs> that you have good head movement, but you're right. I, I've never, I don't, I don't know what it's like when you're, you're training. You know, maybe you're not a, maybe you're not a gym fighter, Pearl. Maybe you just get your ass kicked every day in the gym, which is probably good because that's where you're supposed to get your ass kicked, right? Yeah, no, that's why I'm here. And, and that's why I train with Amanda is because she whoops my ass every single time I spar her. All right, so I think uh, I think we got a new uh, Twitch question. Let me uh, press some buttons. All That's right. the old one. And I go like this. That's a great question, though. We've got to come back to that. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we definitely can. Like, you and I, before the end of the year, let's put together, like, a top five must-watch 
list. I love it. All right. I love it. This uh, question from oh, Cave Sun 101 to Pearl. Pearl, would you prefer UFC rules or pride rules with yellow cards? Okay, well, yellow cards, that's a completely different sort of. Do you, do you understand what uh, yellow cards are? No. Okay, so yellow cards are handed out by the referee uh, based on a couple of scenarios. One, if there's inactivity by a, a fighter and, and the referee feels that you're the one that is not progressing the fight, he'll hand you a yellow card. That yellow card in Pride rules, there's, there's no 10-9 or 10-point must system in, in Pride. It was uh, judges would judge and score the fight based on its entirety rather than a round-by-round instance. So you could be winning the entire fight but then get dropped very badly uh, in the last 30 seconds and make it appear like that fighter uh, that was dominating the entire fight might lose but the bell rings in pride you'd be rewarded for saying i don't care if you won 99 percent of that fight you look like you were going to lose uh, and the bell saved you you lost the fight i'm going to sign off and say that the other fighter won now in uh with yellow cards uh when a fighter receives a yellow card judges are supposed to take that into consideration and it's not a point deduction because there's no points to deduct but it is sort of a knock against you and also with yellow cards for every yellow card you received you lost 10 percent of your purse holy shit yeah so it's also kind of like advantage like in jujitsu uh the vantage point where it's not really a point but it's it's a side note it's not it's a yeah it's it, that, that's a good comparison yeah it's, it's something that okay. uh you know you, you should keep in mind when trying to figure out who won a fight no way. 100% then I would say UFC rules because you, you, you uh, score it round by round. And just because the last 10 seconds, they look amazing. You, you got you to gotta give credit for the other four minutes and 50 seconds that the fight happened. Um, so I would definitely say I prefer UFC rules now that I just been schooled on pride rules. Well, I mean, th- that's not even all the differences in pride rules. Pride rules, you're allowed to knee to the head of a downed opponent. You're allowed to do soccer kicks. There's no elbows allowed. It's in a ring rather than a cage. Um, the opening round is 10 minutes rather than five. So in pride fights for championship fights, cool. it would be one 10-minute round followed by two five-minute rounds. Um, I I like the endurance awesome, round. Actually. I mean, I, I yeah. there, there's some benefits to it. Uh, the issue that I always have had uh, and why I don't prefer pry rules to, to the unified rules is judging is already incredibly subjective as it is. When you mm-hmm. take the sort of deduction away from the judges when it comes to points, when you no longer make them sort of explain why they feel the way they did, no criteria really applies anymore because – if I'm a pride judge, you're going to ask me who I thought won the fight, and I'm going to say Pearl Gonzalez won the fight, and you're going to say why, and I'm going to say because I thought she won the fight. Yeah, but why? I don't need to. I don't need to tell you. Yeah. We're in the 10-point must system. It's like score the bout 29-28 or 30-27 or 49-47, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, um, which actually is a nice segue to something I do uh, want to talk about, and that is the myth of unanimous decisions. In mixed martial arts. You know what a unanimous decision is, correct? I sure do. Okay. Do you want to explain it to people? Sure. A unanimous decision is when all judges have picked the same winner. Correct. Nicely said. Um, Some people sort of make a uh, mistake when they think a split decision is when a judge scores about 29-28. That's not a split decision. A split decision would require one of the judges to not 
agree. It's, if all three right. judges are in alignment and have the same person winning the fight, it's a unanimous decision. Um, so unanimous decisions. They're not all that common, even when they have the same score. I did some math, and this came down to the Johnny Parsons fight, actually, because Johnny won a split decision. Some people were sort of you know, questioning whether or not he was deserving of it. And any time that I hear people say, well, oh, you know, this person clearly won the fight. If there is a round difference, if both athletes won a round in a mixed martial arts fight, the unanimous decision may be turned in by the judges, but the way that they arrived to their decision is very rarely unified, which, which is interesting. And, and let me explain what I mean. So let's, I, I look back at the last 10 events um, from UFC 267. Such a wizard, TJ. I, I'm, I'm just, I have no life. I mean, that's no friends. You're a wizard. Thanks. And now I feel like you're insulting me somehow. <laughs> I'm not. I'm is, a wizard. wizard. I don't want to be a wizard. Now I feel like you're telling I'm me. Not. I, I don't. I could be a wizard. Let me, let me show you my stat because I, I added some things up here. Now, those are the rankings. Uh, click this button right here. Uh, over the last 10 events, there have been 39 unanimous decisions. Of those 39 decisions, uh, there have been 23 with the same score. So 59% uh, had the same score. Um, the uh, fights of unanimous decisions that did not have the same score were 16%. Uh, meaning that the judges got there uh, via different math. So look, look at that. 41% of your unanimous decisions turned in by the judges. They arrived to their final uh, you know, answer by getting there differently. You know, whether it was round one and three for a 29-28 for fighter A, you know, someone else scored that fight for fighter A as well, but scored rounds two and three for them. So almost half of all unanimous decisions, the judges didn't actually agree round for round on who won the fight. And, and that is something that I think sort of highlights the fact that no matter what, when we look at mixed martial arts and, and the 10-point must system, you have to explain your math, but very rarely does anyone have the same math. Correct. And that's, it, that is really interesting because, you know, I don't know that... It obviously shows like what, where this particular judge or that particular judge is, is they're not, are they sticking to a uniform system or are they, you know what I mean? Well, it, it, it's up to, you know, subjective nature, even, even though the, the rules are clearly outlined and how you are supposed to score a fight. It doesn't mean that we all abide by it. And, uh, you know, that, that was one thing that I, I did look at. Uh, g going back to my, my stats here, uh, of the uh, decisions with the same score, um, 10 of those 23, it was one fighter winning all three rounds. It was 30-27. So, like, there's no math to really be done there. You know what I mean? So right. we can go even further into the woods. But, but again, if there's uh, a fight that features you know, a, a round to be won by both parties, the judges very rarely are in agreement, even though they're quote unquote unanimous. Right. Which is, I don't know. Like, I feel like it would be kind of cool if these judges had like their post fight meetings and like went over their scorecards and why they scored these fights the way they did. Well, I think they um, do, but they just don't do it for the public. Do you think so? Well, I mean, I, I know so. Um, there are certain, like Andy Foster in California, he does sort of audit the, the judges' decisions and how they arrive to certain answers. Now, those uh, answers aren't, you know, given to the public. It's not uh, something that's available to, to right. you and I. 
But uh, I, I was actually invited by Frank Trigg to sit on one of these Zoom calls where they went over uh, a UFC card and, and had the judges oh, wow. involved. Awesome. Yeah, actually talk about it. And, and I think that's really important. But at the same time, um, I, I don't think they should probably be forced to do that to public because, I mean, these people are savages. Yeah. You know, but uh, no, I agree. I agree. I think that they should definitely. But like, it's almost interesting. Like, why did you score it this way or that way? And, and just kind of, you know, because you, you do have obviously the commissions have their their judges and whatnot for specific fights and, and uh, cards. So just to see kind of where and, and what they scored. But I guess they're ahead of the game because you're telling me that they do that. Yeah, I mean, it's something that's needed to be done for a very long time. And again, not every uh, athletic commission does it, but uh, Andy Foster sort of uh, tries to lead the way uh, on that. And uh, I think he does a good job. So uh, let's go back out to uh, our uh, Twitch line here. This from Caves. And again, uh, Pearl, what do you enjoy most and least across your training routine? Uh, I think that... I love training. I always have really loved training. Um, it's just been something that some people hate training. I've always loved training. Uh, it's kind of always been my escape to reality and um, just my way to challenge myself on a daily basis. Uh, what I would say that I like least is probably having to, to get up when I'm really tired. That's corny. Um, and probably the diet. The diet and sticking to this a specific nutritional program, eating at certain times. I've never been good at that. And uh, that's always been my biggest challenge. There you go. I love pizza. And I'm like living in New York City right now where yeah. this is the best pizza ever. Ever. You're from Chicago. You're not supposed to say that. Like Chicago's supposed to be the best pizza ever. All right. Okay. I'm not going to argue with you. I will ask though that you at least like bring me for a, a good piece of pizza because we're going to be out there soon. Yeah. I cannot wait. I'll take you. I'll take Frankie. I'll take Steve. I'll take all you guys, and we'll have the best pizza ever. And by the way, they also have the best bagels here ever. I mean, that that's interesting because like New York pizza is like thin pizza, but bagels. So are, like I mean, I, I love bagels. Don't get me wrong. Um, apparently, I say bagel funny as well. Everyone tells me I say yeah, bagel. Why do you say that? I don't know. Bagel, bagel. That's what I said. Bagel. bagel. It's bagel. 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 So I had, yes, last week I had a garlic knot pizza where the crust was two big garlic knots. Amazing. And the rest was like a margarita pizza, which is personally my favorite. That's my but favorite too. I had, a I had a macaroni and cheese pizza. And holy no. No. shit. So that's that not, no, you're screwing it up. Like you can't no. take a different dish and then put it on bread and be like, it's pizza. No, it's not. Like It's not bread. It's crust and wait until you try it and then you can make your decision and you can make your your you can make yeah you can do that but try it first just give it a try it's it's fucking amazing all right i mean you don't have to twist my arm to make me eat i'm just saying <laughs> let's go back out to the uh, twitch line uh alvin thur says can i get a job in the ufc well i mean what are your qualifications alvin thur like are you looking to fight well, you want to be a judge well first off if you're a judge you don't work for the ufc do you want to like carry Pearl's belongings from the hotel to the venue where we work? Like, what do you want to do? I mean, if you're, if you're talking about fighting, I mean, I just, we just gave a great story on Johnny Parsons. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's very realistic. As long as you put the hard work in and, and you are disciplined and diligent because you're going to get your ass whipped a lot, but you can absolutely get there. Uh, silky mustache on Twitter. 
or not on Twitter, on Twitch says, uh, Pearl, what the F? Chicago deep dish is where it's at. Uh, no, no. Listen, I have lived off of Chicago pizza my entire life and I love it. And there's a, you, you know, and honestly, I've never been a big deep dish pizza person anyways. I, I like their like bar style pizza. Like, uh, no, no, I really love the pizza here. I cannot stop thinking about it. Alvin Thur has responded and said he will hold pads for you. You know, no, if you don't, if no you, Alvin, well, like if you don't know, pads for you. Well, if you don't know how to hold pads, you can get hurt real quick. Like real quick. Still hold pads for you. Yeah, but I can't. And like you throw- can hurt the person that you're holding pads for as well. Yeah, I tried to hold pads one time for a guy who really knew how to throw kicks, and like I held up tie pads like that. No, I held up tie pads like that. Like I turned my body and held tie pads like that, and he kicked, but I didn't move my head. I should have moved my head to the right, and I didn't. And he kicked the pads, and I went home with a bloody lip. Yeah, because the pad hit you. Because he knew how to kick. You. I hadn't. I hadn't really held pads for anybody that knew you're how to kick. You're also supposed to like. So when the kick comes, or the punch, or the strike comes, you're supposed to meet it with with a little bit of your resistance, right? So you give them just the right amount of resistance. So pad holding is really an art, and that's why when you have a good coach, you just you. You know, you know when you have someone holding pads and that's who should be holding pads for you. But there's just, a, it's an exchange of energy. It really is an exchange of energy between two people. And so you have to be able to meet the strike at the same time with the right amount of force to give back because they do need some, some force back and, and, and some resistance. So it's, a, it's an art. Yeah, especially if you're working like focus mitts, it's a workout. Like it's not just that you're standing there and they're doing all the work. Especially mentally, you got to be sharp. If you put your hand in the wrong place and they throw a punch in, in another place and that other place is where your chin is, like you get knocked out. It's not good. I think that um, Alvin Thur should hold pads for you. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> um, more stuff from uh, our producers, Frankie and Steve. They're telling me this Detroit-style pizza is the best pizza. I don't even know what Detroit-style pizza is. Me either, but I – so I saw the pizza reviews on that, and I heard it's pretty bomb. I want to try it. What's your favorite What's pizza. your favorite topping? Um, you know, I think right now my thing is I go through phases. Right now it's margarita. I just love the traditional margarita. I love the basil on it. I'm pretty simple. Um, I like veggies on my pizza. People probably think that's lame. I like pepperoni sometimes, but if I were to pick right now, it's margarita. All right. Um, I I like a, a topping that no one likes, and and I can hardly find it. Sardine? No, God, no, no. I don't need fish in general. Why would I ruin pizza with it? Olive? I I like green olives. Green olives. Green olives. Interesting. Um, I don't know if I've ever had pizza with green olives. I've had it with black olives. Yeah, I mean that's the problem, especially here in Southern California. You order pizza, and if you do it online, it just says olives. Well. Just olives means black olives. <laughs> There's no place that just has green olives, and uh, it bums me out. I've I've definitely driven 30 miles to get pizza with with green olives on it. Green olives, I like green olives. I really they're my really favorite. Enjoy them, so it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, they're very good. Um, I mean, here's the real question, Pearl, and this is going to drive our listeners one way or the other. It's a very polarizing question, and that's pineapple on pizza. I like it. You don't like and you it? You know what else? I do. Oh, you do. I okay. Like pineapple on pizza. It has to have like a jalapeno because there needs to be like a little bit of okay. sweet and a little bit of spicy. Sweet. That's my vibe. But yeah, I like pineapple. What do they call it? Like sweet I don't heat. Like ham. Yeah, uh, I like ham. Ham's not my vibe. 
What is Canadian bacon? That's just ham, right? Basically, I'll, I'll eat Canadian bacon here and there because it's unless if it's uncured. But I will not eat that on pizza. That does not sound enjoyable to me. But isn't Canadian bacon just ham? Yeah, kind of. It's like a circle ham. But you don't like ham. I I just don't like it on pizza. So traditionally, that wait, so pizza, the Hawaiian pizza. That they eat Canadian bacon on something other than pizza. Yeah, you eat it for breakfast. Canadian bacon. I had no idea. Um, pineapple and pepperoni is the goat. Is some is okay. what someone is saying on Twitch. Which I mean, I don't, I, I don't do know. Pineapple and pepperoni. I mean, it's kind of going back to that sweet heat thing that you're looking for right. when you say jalapenos. Sweet and salty. Yeah. yeah, no, it's sweet and salty. I could totally do pineapple and pepperoni. Yeah. Um, Goodbye. Someone tells me to stop discriminating against. Uh, Certain color of olives, which is ridiculous. I didn't say I wouldn't eat all kinds of olives. I'm just saying I prefer green. You know? Which is interesting. It's salty. What's a salty flavor? Oh, my God. I'll, I'll drink olive juice, like, straight out the can. It's my favorite. Vinegar. Yum. I don't, think I, like it's, it. I don't think it's vinegar. I think it's olive juice. Vinegar is what's in pickles. I think it has vinegar in it to keep preserve it. You might be right. You might be right. I'm not going to say you're wrong. You might be right. See if we got anything else going on here. Um, let's see here. I press this button. I press this button. Uh, oh, yeah. Hey, uh, Alex Caceres is fighting coming up uh, on yeah. Saturday. It is crazy to think that Bruce Leroy has been in the UFC for as long as he has. I remember when he came in through... Uh, the, the ultimate fighter. And um, I, I wasn't sort of really sure of what we could expect from him. Um, he, he's a very talented fighter. Don't get me wrong, but he, yes. he, he was, he was sort of gimmicky in a certain way. You know what I mean? Like he had that Bruce Leroy character and you know, he, uh, uh, he, he, I mean, he, he was a guy that I don't think was as, uh, you know, as big of a character, say like a Conor McGregor or, or anything like that. But uh, Alex Caceres is a guy that is sort of fun to, to watch inside the octagon and his personality is one that I think you can get behind as well. Yes, I think he's also one of those fighters, especially when he came in, that was kind of, I wouldn't say ahead of his time, but he was definitely that new age style fighter. Had this incredible striking, you know, had had good grappling on the ground, and it just was like, it was just a new age type fighter. And he, he does, he looks super fun in there. You know, he's able to get out of the way. He's long and lanky, lands these big, long strikes. Um, yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm excited to see him uh, compete coming up on uh, Saturday night. Uh, I mean, this guy has had 40 fights, 40 uh, mixed martial arts fights. He's won his last four uh, in a row. He's taken on uh, Sungwoo Choi, uh, who's 3-2 and two inside the octagon. Choi lost his first two UFC outings and then has won three straight. So that's going to be a pretty fun featherweight fight coming up uh, on Saturday night. We have obviously been talking a lot about this uh, main event. If you don't know, uh, the middleweight bout between Paulo Costa and Marvin Vittori, now officially a catchweight bout at 195 pounds. So we will see uh, sort of what that looks like uh, coming up on Saturday and where Costa is and uh, and what we can expect uh, from him. Um, I was in your old stomping grounds on, on Sunday. Go ahead. I was going to say, we have some, we have some big female fights coming up too. We have Jessica Rose Clark, yep. um, who is fighting Ros Jocelyn, Jocelyn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, J yep. Jocelyn. Yep. The uh, uh, Panamanian fighter. No, she's Dominican. I thought, no, no, nah, I think, I, I think she's Panamanian. I think she's from Panama. All right. 
So is this her first time at 35? Because I thought she was at Who's that? prior. Jocelyn. Um, I'll have to look that up. Give me a second. And uh, the other big fight we have is Randa Marcos, who's also fighting this weekend. Yeah, Randa Marcos against uh, Livia Souza. Souza is, is one of my favorite jiu-jitsu players in mixed martial arts. She's incredibly underrated ground game. Um, someone that I, I actually don't think has lived up to her potential quite yet uh, inside the UFC, um, but that's going to be a, a phenomenal fight. We'll see uh, what sort of shakes out there. Yeah, that's a fun fight. Randa always usually comes to, to fight. She's always an aggressive fighter. You know, she has this interesting stance that's uh, just kind of awkward and, and tough to deal with. Um, and uh, obviously, Livia, uh, Livia Sousa is amazing. Not only is she an amazing grappler, but she has the best little, like, personality and character uh, inside and outside of the x So I am definitely looking forward to that one. But the Jessica Rose Clark is a, is a pretty big fight. Um, Jocelyn, I thought she, she was at 25 before. No. I could uh, be mistaken. Uh, I have, I've, I've gone through her last five fights. All of them have been at Bantamweight. Bantam? Okay. Okay, my bad. That's all right. My bad. That's also a big fight. That's a featured fight for, for Saturday night. Um, and I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, Clark is a, a, an incredible striker. She has really stepped her game up. She's moved up a weight class. Uh, her last fight was her first time at 35. She looked great at 135. Um, first really time, first time in the UFC at 135. Because I, I called one of her yes. fights prior to the UFC at 135. Yes, yes, correct. Uh, that was a long time ago, and that was with her fun hair, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, she she's a okay, fun personality. So. You know, she's fun to watch yeah. as a fighter. She's uh, someone that is a good follow online. Like uh, I enjoy uh, watching her fight, and uh, you know, sort of. Get, like it's hard to stand out now in the UFC. We talk about how many you know events and, and fights and, and fighters the UFC has as a whole. It's it's hard to sort of command the spotlight and, and grab that attention. And uh, Jesse Jess does that. She looked amazing in her last fight. She got a TKO. She came in. She's I mean her striking's always been good, but her striking is on a whole nother level. Um, and she just dominated in her last fight. And so I'm really looking forward to this fight. I do believe that she may have the advantage on the, in the grappling. Um, but Jocelyn is also a very fun striker as well. So we are in for a treat on Saturday night with, the, with that Bantamweight fight. Last Sunday night, I was in your old stomping grounds of uh, San Diego, and I was uh, uh, live right on the, uh, the ocean there uh, for Cage Warriors 130. Where? Um, I think it was called Humphreys or something like that. Uh, it's like a really cool, like outdoor. No, no, it was in San Diego, I think. I mean, I don't know. It's all like w once I get past Oceanside, it's all San Diego to me. Okay. You know, okay. but uh, Cage Warriors went off without a without a hitch, and it, it was a fun, fun night. Um, we start with Justin Berry landing a vicious crescent kick uh, here. I mean, just awesome stuff. Uh, then it was uh, Richie Miranda getting a sub over James Lynch. Um, this next young man, I cannot wait to see uh, compete again moving forward. Josh Wang Kim got a TKO over Jose Hernandez. Like I, I, this guy needs to be on the Contender Series at some point. I uh, can't wait to see what's uh, what's up with him. Uh, Zach Paga victorious over Marcus Perez. Um, in our co-main event, we saw Max Roshkoff. Uh, get a unanimous decision over Jordan Bailey. Um, it was a fight that he definitely uh, was going for hard. And then in our uh, main event, uh, we, we saw Spark 
uh, Spike Carlisle uh, take on uh, J.J. Ambrose. And this, I mean, Carlisle was was definitely living in the moment, rocking a, a Hercules outfit, and he had a Herculean uh, effort inside the Cage Warriors cage. And uh, he got a, a knockout in uh, round two. And it was one of those, uh, one of those nights, Pearl, that uh, was just phenomenal. It's the first time in almost a decade that I've been to a fight without some sort of task to complete. And it was phenomenal. Nice. That sounds like a good time. This yeah. By the ocean. I'm super jelly. Yeah, you can uh, go watch Cage Warriors 130 right now over on uh, UFC Fight Pass. Uh, also on Fight Pass, you'll find the uh, latest offering from Fury <laughs> FC. This is a promotion that has been uh, pretty aggressive uh, mm-hmm. since getting on Fight Pass, doing a lot of shows. And you were actually at one of these events not too long ago. Yeah, they had a great show, and they have a great, great show. Um, it was insane for in Houston. I mean, the, the venue was packed. It was exciting. The fights were fun. So, yes, this is definitely like the, I think you worded it perfectly. It's very aggressive, and, and they are looking amazing. Yeah, and both of these uh, events were on Sunday, and Sunday's not typically a night that you think about mixed martial arts or think about, hey, I better get over to Fight Pass and, and watch some live events. But uh, that, that's one thing that's really great about Fight Pass is there's live content uh, almost any day of the week. Uh, I mean, literally any day of the week. I've watched an event live pretty much every day of the week at some point uh, on Fight Pass. Mm-hmm. And when it's not live, if you are in a state of inebriation and you click on the 24-7 feed, you too can think that Icon Fighting Federation was live and I was calling it and you can send me nice <laughs> messages online. It's like, hey, great job calling the fight and i'm like thank you that happened last april ah, i love it i love it i mean i'm, I'm never going to turn away a compliment <laughs> this is you, you this it's is okay but well, well, i mean I, I get i will never turn away a compliment i understand i don't understand what it means when you call me a wizard mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you didn't understand Thea's compliments either she just she's intimidating She's just intimidating. Yeah. I love it. I love it. All right. Let's see here. Anything else before uh, we get out of here? I don't think so. Oh, wait. One more question. We got one more question here in the uh, the All Twitch right. feed. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, pull that. By the way, if you did not get in on the show and you're intimidated to call, that's okay. 917-UFC-TALK also works for uh, text messages. So if you uh, are watching maybe uh, on demand or not live and you have a burning question for either Pearl and I that isn't related to getting an autograph from Brittany Palmer, send us a text. 917-UFC-TALK uh, is the number. Uh, or again, if you're ever uh, online watching live on Twitch, you can uh, ask a question in Twitch and our producers, Frankie and Steve, will get that over to us. Here is uh, another one from Caveson, who's basically been dominating the Twitch line today. Uh, do corners hesitate to stop the fight because a loss means everyone gets paid less? That's a great question. I never thought of that. Um, you know, first off, he's had some great questions tonight. So thank you very much for all these questions. I, I don't know if it's necessarily pay. I think that's the last thing when you're in a fight and you're in the moment, that's the last thing you're thinking about is your pay, right? What you're thinking about is the amount of hours that you've put in, the amount of sacrifice that you've taken to pull away from your family to be a part of this fighter's camp and this fighter's life, Uh, the travel, the, um, the, just the emotional attachment and investment that you put into a fighter Um, financially, you know, these coaches are out there doing, there's so much riding on a fight. So when you see a coach get emotional 
it seems like what's this dude's deal or, or what's this person's deal. But if you understood the amount of effort and time and sacrifice and work that this coach has also put into this fight camp, which is equal to the fighter, right? Um, then you would understand. And then, of course, you know, there's there's that pride that, that wants to win. It's it's your skills that your fighter's displaying. And it's, you're the one cornering them. So there is a lot to put in. I, I think that that is probably the biggest thing. As a fighter, I, I would never want my corner to stop a fight. I would I would like to go out on my shield. I would like the referee to stop it. Or I would, you know, I, I'd be knocked out and, and, uh, or, or submitted. And, and that's exactly why I think corners are hesitant to do so, even if it is maybe the right decision. They don't want to have that conversation with their charge later in the locker room or, or at the hotel room, you know, and, and, and have that fighter go, why'd you take it out of my hands, coach? Like, I, I was still in it. I wanted to keep going. That said, I think there are some athletes that don't want to be the one that actually you know, say I'm done. Um, they maybe are looking for their coach to uh, throw in the towel. But that's one thing that I think definitely it, it's it's it, if a coach does it, they know that they're doing the right thing. It, it's very rare that there's sort of a, a questionable decision uh, when that is done. And, and maybe that goes back to what you're saying. There, there's a huge emotional uh, investment by those coaches. They're, they're you know, time sacrifice i mean yeah. so much that goes into this and it's it's not even so much i think the coach like oh my god i gotta have this conversation with my fighter as a fighter listen give me give me five seconds it sounds impossible but let me try because i can make impossible possible and so that's the same mentality i mean coaches have that same competitive mentality and and it boils down to the last second we've seen it in fights i mean Derek lewis comes to mind first you know right right away like he knocked out he was losing yeah. Four rounds, and then that last round was like the last minute or two. He knocked out his opponent, and that's so realistic, and that can happen. And so with that, you never want to take that opportunity away from your fighter. Yeah. Um, and, and so... Well, I mean, Glo- Glover, Teixeira, Glover Teixeira is fighting for a title coming up soon, and, and how many times has he essentially maybe been, you know, close to having his corner throw in the towel or the referee stopping it, and he just comes back and he wins? Like, there are certain athletes that, you know, don't really want to lean on it, but it's good to have uh, in the back pocket is that durability to where, you know, someone's going to have to stop you mainly the referee or your opponent before you, you give in. And, you know, there are just some athletes that just come out the other side for whatever reason, uh, able to, to get through really tough situations. Agreed. And I think that, you know, that's my fighter mentality. And, and the more that you spend time on the other side of the sport, you do see, you, you see like, did this, did this fighter really need to take that much punishment? Yeah. You know, because now at this point, uh, they, they were, so there, it's just a double ended sword with us here. From a fighter's perspective, an athlete's, even a corner's perspective, you never, ever want to stop the fight yourself. You want to be stopped. But also from another perspective where you're looking much further out than you are being inside of there, it's like, does this person really need to take this damage? Is this necessary? Or can this can this fighter live to see another fight in another day? How do you feel about taco pizza? I... Oh, no, I've never had it. But let me tell you, actually, one of my favorite pizzas in Chicago is a BLT pizza. And it's got a shit ton of lettuce. It's got tomato. And then it's got bacon. And they put mayonnaise. And it's, it's fucking amazing. That's an open-faced sandwich. It basically, but it's got pizza and it's delicious. Does it have tomato sauce on it? Yes. Okay, then it's pizza. No? Yeah, no? yeah it's pizza. Yeah, it does. Okay, because it, it's got to have tomato sauce on it. Otherwise, it's not pizza anymore. <laughs> it's pizza. 
I mean, maybe. VIP pizza. It's so good. But I've never had taco pizza. I'm, I'm interested to try it's it. It's amazing. I mean, really? It's really I'm good. I'm not really, you know, I'm not a specialty type pizza person. I am pretty, I'm pretty basic with my pizzas. But that macaroni and cheese pizza was pretty bomb. And You're not allowed to say you're, you're basic with pizza when you just told me about a BLT pizza and macaroni and cheese pizza. Like, that's not basic. It's not, but I'm living outside the box. You know, you got to just come out and explore a little. I don't do that. <laughs> Especially when it comes to pizza. But you have taco pizza. I mean, yeah, that's not that pizza. weird. Yeah, I mean, again, olives are the most uh, common uh, topping of uh, for pizza in Brazil. Mm. Okay, when did you live in Brazil? Because I really don't rem- recall this. I've never lived in Brazil, and I just made that up. Oh. And, and you're not letting me <laughs> ride with it, so... I try to get away with stuff, and you call me out on it. That's why we're such a good team. I know. Look at that, TJ. All right. I'm going to let you go uh, before, like, a full-on concert breaks out in your <laughs> lobby or whatever's going on over there. This is the last time I, I will uh, we'll go live in this, this place. I thought it was great, like, the, the, the plants and the lighting, but no, fuck this. Right. We're, we're going to move to a better spot. Are we hanging out for, uh, Saturday night? Yeah, of course we are. What else are we doing? All right. Uh, Ray Longo sends his best, by the way. Where is he? Hey, he's doing something. I guess he's actually at like a, an event tonight. Uh, he was going to do the show, but he, he, I told him not to sacrifice. He was going to try to sacrifice. I'm like, Ray, we don't want to be an inconvenience to you. And he's like, I'd do anything for Pearl. And I'm like, Aww, what, what about me, Ray? So what about me, Ray? He's like, I'd do anything for Pearl. I'm like, okay. Uh, All right. So wait, question. Are we dressing up for Halloween? Well, Halloween is the day. When, when is Halloween? It's next week, next, next yeah. Sunday. I mean, I'm I'm. If you ask our uh, Twitch audience, I'm dressed as Dana twenty four seven. No, that's not right. I, I, we should let's take a poll. Should we dress up for Halloween? Because if so, I need to get working on my outfit. Okay, well, dress up for Halloween. Yes, I mean, you're asking our, you know, viewership if they want to see you dressed up. The answer is yes. <laughs> yes. I dressed up last year. I was the king of pancreas last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did remember that. Okay, I need something creative. Okay. All right, you figure it out, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you on Saturday. All right, everyone, have a great night. I'm really excited for these fights, and we will touch base after them, and let's let's see what happens. This Sounds weekend. good. Thanks, Pearl. All right. Bye. Yeah, she's Pearl Gonzalez. I'm TJ DeSantis. It's extra rounds here on UFC Fight Pass. We are not quite done yet. I uh, got some things to uh, take care of, some house cleaning, and uh, we'll get you all the information you need to know uh, for our uh, post fight uh, coming up on Saturday. I say Saturday night. It's actually an early card. Uh, I think 10 a.m. is uh, the first prelim on Fight Pass, uh, 10 a.m. Pacific time, uh, that is. So uh, don't, uh, don't tune in too late if you want to catch extra rounds uh, live. Speaking of live events, uh, the LFA. They're back in action. And for more on that, here's LFA play-by-play man Ron Kruk to get you more information about the upcoming LFA card, which you can watch, of course, live on UFC Fight Pass. some high-impact finishes at high altitude. And now the LFA returns to Vail, Colorado. Elevation, 8,150 feet. 
for LFA 116 on October 22nd. The main event features knockout artist and 2020 Fighter of the Year, Josh Fremd, who battles the dynamic Brazilian, Renato Valente, who is coming off a huge victory over undefeated Contender Series veteran, Chibi Oyenagecha in July. Also in action is undefeated Bantamweight, Daniel Argueta, who returns to the LFA Octagon after a stint on The Ultimate Fighter this spring. And Pauline Pita Macias is back after training with Rose Nama Yunus as she prepares for her title fight rematch in November. Pita will face off against the talented Montana native Marnik Mann, who has yet to taste defeat as a pro. Michael Stack makes his fourth LFA appearance and goes for his sixth professional win when he meets BJJ black belt Jackson Filo. LFA 116 will also feature a couple of key matchups in the welterweight division, including Jalen Fuller, who looks to build off his spectacular knockout in his last fight, taking on the young and hungry Ryan Charlebois. And in the other 170-pound matchup, unbeaten Harris Talunzik looks to make it four straight wins when he takes on 4-1 and one Brock Smith as both welterweights look to prove they are the future of the division. And kicking off the card is Colorado's own three-time NCAA All-American wrestler Jacoby Jones. LFA 116 goes down Friday, October 22nd from the Dobson Arena in Vail, Colorado. Tickets are still available at LFATix.com. That's LFATix.com and the LFA airs exclusively on UFC Fight Pass. Chuck Norris, man of action. Chuck Norris stars in Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. Chuck Norris, he's got nerves of steel and strength to match. With his team, Pepper. It's too dangerous, Chuck. What? Too much. Too much. Kimo, the Samurai Warrior. Reed, Chuck's teenage apprentice. Tabe, a sumo champion. With Chuck Norris, they battle the sinister forces of the Claw. Remember this. And the ruthless Super Ninja. I'll finish Norris. Chuck Norris stars in Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. It was going to be a great show. Look. We don't lie to you. Look at this. Look. Oh. Big right hand. The shooter. He's over. Out. Cold. Matt has noticed that I am also bald. I, I got to move my camera because you look like Cyclops when you move back. Dustin, look. He's, he's matured into a great fighter. The biggest bank heist in the history of the world. You're not surprised. He was fearless. I want to be remembered as one of the greatest female fighters. Well, have you decided to step into our world yet over at UFC Fight Pass? It's the biggest no-brainer if you're a combat sports fan. You need to do so today. UFCFightPass.com, your home for original programs, live events, 
Extra Rounds, myself, TJ DeSantis, and Paul Gonzalez. Please go check it out if you're not already, and appreciate you joining us always live on Twitch and Facebook. We are back coming up uh, Saturday afternoon, evening, wherever you may be in the world, immediately following this UFC uh, fight card that features a catchweight contest now between Paula Costa and Marvin Vittori. If you're just tuning in really late, it was originally slated to be a middleweight bout. Costa couldn't make weight. Now moved up 10 pounds. 195 pounds is where the fight will take place. 20% of the purse from Paula Costa going over to Marvin Vittori. Credit Marvin Vittori for uh, still taking this fight and making it happen because uh, Paula Costa is dangerous. At 185, he's dangerous. Might even be more dangerous at 195 pounds. We'll find out coming up on Saturday. If you missed any part of this broadcast, you can check it out archived over on Facebook and Twitch and, of course, UFC Fight Pass. Uh, Just make sure you sign up, UFCFightPass.com. Coming up on episode 100. Can't believe we've done that many of these things already. Uh, You can catch up anytime uh, over on uh, the aforementioned sites, Facebook, Twitch, Twitch. Fight Pass, of course. Uh, if you're more into audio, you want to do podcasts, you can do that as well. Uh, just do a search for UFC Fight Pass and Extra Rounds wherever you download all of your podcasts. All right, that's it. For Paul Gonzalez, I'm TJ DeSantis. Thanks for going a few extra rounds here, and we'll talk to you on Saturday for more right here on UFC Fight Pass. This concludes our live broadcast of Extra Rounds. Are we still on the air? Watch the archive anytime on UFC Fight Pass or Facebook.com slash UFC Fight Pass. You can also listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.